Make your spirits bright this season with Mary and Meet Cute. 16 original holiday theme romantic comedies wherever you get your podcasts. Think Hallmark holiday movies, but uniquely modern that you can take with you. Listen on any podcast app. All month, they're featuring new rom-coms inspired by Hanukkah and Christmas. Nothing says holidays like a rom-com from Meet Cute. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch. And I'm Zareen Sleeky. It feels like just yesterday, or to be specific, 40 episodes ago, we were talking about the news of the Sex and the City reboot. And just like that, the first episodes are here. Oh, God. How many times will we make that joke, truly? I think as many as we can. It's easy. I mean, if they're going to end every episode with that, I guess, why not? Why not borrow? Um, anyway, I know we have a lot of feelings about the first two episodes that have been released. And so does the CEO of Peloton, I assume. Uh, but before we get into that, Z, what's your not over it? My not over it this week is a little more personal. I, for some reason, have started watching season 16 of Survivor on Netflix. Um, I have never watched Survivor before. Ever? And Wait, stop. No, yeah, You've I've never... never... You've never seen a single episode of Survivor. Correct. Wow. I had never watched it before. And so if you're looking to also start Survivor on a random season, season 16 is available on Netflix. It is um, fans versus favorites, which uh, I'm learning quickly um, the history of some of the favorite survivors. But mostly I'm just learning it was a completely different time 10 years ago. And okay, the things I have that are like, being shown and said on TV are just wild. I have so many follow-up questions to this. <laughs> okay. First of all, first of all, why? I mean, I mostly blame my boyfriend for this, but... Has he ever seen know, Survivor like, before? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, if I haven't seen it, he's definitely... Wait, you don't know? You had a whole conversation where you were like, together we will now start watching Survivor and we will start with season 16. And at no point did it come up if he had ever seen Survivor before. Also, why did you start with season 16? Why didn't you ask me? You know I've seen most seasons of Survivor. Why wasn't I consulted? The use of the word conversation here is loose. Like, I don't know if it was really a conversation. It was more like we should watch something and he suggested something else. I was like, I don't want to watch that. Because it has subtitles. And then we decided on Survivor. Trump spoke. Um, also, because there's only two, like, seasons available on Netflix. And I think one of them was, like, a really early on season. And 16 just seemed like a good number. And that was all the math behind that. Do you think you'll continue on after this? Yeah, well, now I feel, like, invested. I've watched, like, the first two episodes. And they just voted off Xiao Man. No, I, I mean, do you think you'll continue watching more seasons of Survivor after this? Oh, uh, yeah, I think. I know you told me there was like, I don't know that like now there's all these like seasons where it's just like all of the people that have won Survivor against each other. Mm-hmm. Winners of, at war. I want. Yeah, I want like I want to watch stuff. Yeah, I want to watch. Oh, that. there's also like I just some needed prob- to like. There's some problematic seasons. Like I'm pretty sure one they separated them by race. Uh, oh my there god. Was also, <laughs> there was also brains versus brawn versus beauty. I remember that one standing out. So it was like stupid people or smart people oh versus. God. Versus, like, athletic people versus, like, people who are just good-looking and not good for anything else. Um, Yeah, there's been some – there's definitely some problematic stuff in the past. The current season has been very good. But the the finale is is this week, so we're a little late on the boat for that one. But I recommend. What a journey. Hauntingly, like, I know. All the problematic stuff also just reminds me of, like, America's Next Top Model also. 
But well, I just have wait. I have um, one more question for you before I move on. Why do you continue to start watching new shows that aren't sex education when I've been trying to get you to watch sex education for <laughs> seventy seven years? Anyways, Becky, what's your not over it this week? Are you holding it hostage? Is this because I won't watch Dave? I just want answers. I just want answers. Yeah, the Dave thing. The Dave thing. Hi, I'm Dave. Okay, so so if I watch an episode of Dave and I text you about it, you're going to watch Sex Education, right? Yes. That is how this will work. I don't feel confident in your answer. My not over it is I'm sorry to bring up the Adele's for one night only concert special for the third week in a row. But when it first came out, you and I talked a lot about the celebrities that were chosen, how they were chosen. And I think I sort of just invented this narrative that was sort of based on Adele saying she gathered her closest friends that everyone in the audience was somehow a friend of Adele. But Seth Rogen went on Jimmy Fallon last week and confirmed that was not the case. And not only is he not friends with Adele, he claims he had no idea it was going to be televised. He didn't know he was sitting in the front row. He didn't know why he was selected to sit in the front row. And he and his wife were extremely stoned while they took in this concert. And his retelling of it is very funny. He talks about how self-conscious he was because the camera was on him and he was so high and he didn't know what to do. And he was like, I could just tell that all these celebrities were wondering how I got seated in front of Drake. Like Drake was definitely behind me wondering what whether or not oh no he said leonardo dicaprio probably assumes that he wrote rolling in the deep and the whole thing was both educational to learn how these people were chosen which was he said he just got an email asking if he wanted to go to a small intimate adele concert and he was like of course um yeah of course that is the correct response it was also just a funny retelling there's so many more famous people than me here who should be sitting where I'm sitting. And I could just, like, feel them be insulted that I had such a good seat. Like, I was in front of Drake. Like, there's no world where I should be in front of Drake. Why? How is that possible? And I could just feel, like, Drake's eyes, like, drilling into the back of my head. Like, why am I in 3R and he's in 1A? Like, I was six rows in front of, like, Ellen DeGeneres and Chris Jenner. Like, I truly have no, I have no idea well, what, did, did, why they did that. And, you know, what? I'd like to hear more celebrities explain how they got there. How did Selena Gomez get there? Tell us, Selena Gomez, right in. Yeah, I want to know how Gordon Ramsay got there, too. I still stand by the fact that I think they know each other because... In my mind, British celebrities are friends. Like, I feel like Stormzy should have been there over Gordon Ramsay, but whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, Today, we're going to talk about, and just like that, the Sex and the City reboot. Uh, We have a few episodes out now, but as a quick refresh, you know, the last movie came out in 2010, and basically where that left off was where they went on this problematic vacation. Uh, Carrie almost cheated on Mr. Big with Aiden because, of course, she only has two men in her whole life, and that's what she's going to ping pong back and forth from uh, uh burger Sam- resents that oh yeah burger was there he didn't break up with her on a post-it to never be t- discussed <laughs> again um i don't really remember the storylines of like truly anyone else charlotte was having a hard time with kids <laughs> everyone's fine everyone now. was having a hard time and there was racism yes that's huge that is really what was happening um and as we come into this new show and just like that uh Everyone uh, continues to be having problems. Samantha is no longer with us, which is exactly how they also stated it, but she is not dead. Um, the majority of the cast is back. Uh, obviously, 
you know, Willie Garrison, RIP, has passed away, but he is in the first couple of episodes as Stanford Blatch, Carrie's best friend. There's like a weird uncomfortableness of like trying to make sense with like the old characters and the new characters for me. Mm -hmm. Like it just feels confusing where I like I'm appreciative of the fact that there are new characters, but because the show was just so specific and like, I don't know, iconic, there's like certain things you like expect from seeing new people. I'm like, what's your role? What are you going to do here? What are you going to mess up? Who are you going to sleep with? Yeah. So the basic setup here is we're back with these women, seeing what they're up to after all this time. Uh, the major focal points are that Carrie's getting into the world of podcasting, which is not as much as a seamless fit as writing her column was for her. And Miranda is like going, quote unquote, back to school to get her master's degree. Samantha has moved to London and is no longer friends with the women. And Charlotte is still being uptight now with two daughters, one of whom is not very girly. What a scandal. <laughs> but let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about our initial reactions to the first couple of episodes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, Z, straight out the gate, what's your initial knee-jerk reaction after watching these episodes? I, slightly uncomfortable. Uh, I think there, in like at the beginning, it was like, I mean, it's nice to see like Carrie Bradshaw on her outfits and stuff. I think specifically for me, Sex in the City was so much about the city. And so now it's like, very, it doesn't really feel like New York is really, you know... Eh, in the original, the city was a character in itself in the show. Um, and maybe that'll pick up because I've only seen like the first three. But so far, that initially has already like kind of turned me off because it's something that they could you play into a little bit more because there's a lot of these storylines that I'm not super in love with. Like it just feels a little bit dated and some of the things and the language just feels a little try hard, which is like just cringy. Yes, it, it felt very in your face of trying to provide some sort of social commentary on what it's like for these women in their 50s in, you know, for lack of a better term, the age of wokeness. Um, yeah. First of all, I was talking to my friend Molly about this, about I have mixed feelings about shows that tackle COVID in a way that makes it seem like COVID is completely over and is no longer affecting anyone. When over here, we're just like learning about new variants. And I found out yesterday that three of my family members have COVID. Whereas on this show, they're like, remember when we couldn't stand within six feet of each other? <laughs> so it, it just seems a little, I know like you don't want to see people wearing masks, but I almost think I prefer them just pretend COVID never happened. They're doing the same thing on the Gossip Girl reboot where they're just like, that was fun that time. Now that's over. Oh, um, like you don't like even some... want the mention of it. 
No, yeah. Like, what yeah. is that adding of I saying that, like, knowing Carrie and Big went through lockdown and had to, you know, they so hard for them to be trapped in their giant penthouse apartment. I'm sure they really <laughs> suffered. Um, but yeah, all the like the cringy, it, it, like it almost felt uncomfortable watching these actors trying to like use this dialogue, like uh, with Cynthia Nixon talking about like something she learned in her anti-racist book. Did you have to say something? Oh, one of the important takeaways I got from how to be an anti-racist is if you see something, you have to speak on it. You have to call it out. I'm just like, is this really how people speak to each other? I don't think it is. And it just seems like they had to get every single one in. No, yeah. And I also think there is like, you know, there is a bit of an elephant in the room where these are a bunch of middle-aged white women that are like really leaning into this stuff. So that there's a part of like, I know there's new cast members now that they are like, they've diversified the cast and they're hopefully going to continue to do so. But yeah, there's a part of it where you're just like, okay, we get you're aware of it. Now it's like, Cynthia's whole storyline, just her going back to school and having these interactions and like, it just doesn't feel normal. Like, that's not how people normally like you can incorporate a lot of that stuff without making it feel so uncomfortable to watch. Right. It doesn't feel organic at all in a way that <laughs> not to hold up this is us as a portrait of what what to do. Right. But I feel like when they were tackling the conversations that Randall was having about Black Lives Matter and about racism, like within the family, that felt so much more real and organic and and a way that it would actually show up in real life versus Miranda coming into the subway and being like, oh no, like, was that too white savior of me? It's just, yes, it was uncomfortable. I think that also speaks to the fact that like, it came organically coming from Randall's character because that's a black man talking. It's a black actor right, addressing the right. situations. Like if you already have cast members that are going to add to the diversity and representation within the cast, just wait until those characters are more incorporated in storylines to address certain things. Forcing us to watch Miranda keep talking about her wokeness and anti-race is just making fr frankly, it's making me uncomfortable, like the white guilt of it all. Like I don't need to see this. But also this comes from the writer's room and they were really, you know, sort of, making it clear that they may had a more diverse writer's room on sex in the city this time around. So you almost hoped it would be feel a little bit more organic, but you know, maybe it'll get better, but it wasn't even just the it, it, situations with racism. It was Miranda and her son. He was saying she was sex shaming him, but also I'm sorry. I don't care what year we're in. It does not seem appropriate to be living in a house where your son is having sex so loud that you're listening to him every night. And she's like letting that happen, but has her, you know, pearls all clutched when he's smoking pot. No, that entire like, thing. No, was it so was not appropriate to be smoking pot at a funeral, but like the reaction there just seemed like you're corrupting my child with your pot smoking. Like what? Why are you even here? What are you? Some kind of a, a, funeral pot pusher no also i don't really need to see a 16 year old like having sex on tv like this is just it's it was just like Ugh. this Says is all... person who watches every episode of euphoria are they showing a lot of sex in that i guess yeah. uh yes <laughs> i don't remember uh, i think girl, it's weirder because a girl is... humped a carousel horse this i think that show this been is... off for too long I think this is weirder though because you're looking the main characters are the parents so then you're like kind of in this weird perspective of like the adults are the ones that I'm supposed to be focused on and now he, she has like a 16 year old child that's running around making out at like a concert a child's like piano recital in the background and she's like tell your son to stop making out I'm like people don't act like this 
no, well, that's the thing. Again, normal. that's all of it. It's like people don't act like this. And maybe they didn't act like that in the original Sex in the City either. But now it just feels cringy. And then, I mean, of course, like we have to talk about <laughs> the event, which is it was spoiled long ago. And I, I'm sad that it was spoiled that Big was going to die in this season. But it still felt... So like the tone of this show is all over the place that they're like making these bad jokes and like trying to make it light at the beginning. And then all of a sudden it ends with like big dying on the Peloton or shortly after getting off the Peloton. Like he had his 1000th ride and then he died. And just like like that. Did Peloton agree to this? They mentioned Peloton so many times. So in some ways you're like, oh, what an ad for Peloton. And then it's like Peloton kills. Peloton will take your loved ones. No, I don't think Peloton's been having that great of a ride. So uh, lately, just I think sales have been dropping. So I'm sure they're not super excited for this added advertisement, whatever they're getting. Well, it took about five minutes for there to be a lot of Peloton related headlines that started with a rep from Peloton commenting that Mr. Big was already at serious risk due to his quote unquote extravagant lifestyle and that Peloton may have actually helped delay his death and it definitely wasn't peloton's fault but what quickly followed were headlines of peloton's stock which started plummeting but twist they managed to get a response parody ad together by the end of the weekend so that's just four days after this episode was released and of course they had some help with ryan reynolds who is always there to help with peloton ads should we take another ride Life's too short not to. (laughs) And just like that, the world was reminded that regular cycling stimulates and improves your heart, lungs, and circulation. That being said, I felt like that whole death scene was really hard to watch. It harkens back to the first movie where Big leaves her at the altar and then what ensues is depressed Carrie for a long time. Obviously, this is much worse, and I feel like that's what we're going to see. But on the other hand... Watching them twirl around the kitchen together, I also found to be kind of boring. No, I mean, I I think like this is my whole thing with the Big and Carrie storyline is like they've always been this like larger than life couple. They're always it's this big love. They always find each other. It's just it's it was so corny to watch where I'm like, have some sort of evolution. If you're going to bring it back, something should be different. And I just felt like I was bored watching it, to your point. Like there's nothing new or exciting about it. Also, there is this air of, you know, many years had passed. They're very much older, but it almost seemed like they were frozen in time. Like, you're trying to figure out, like, how have these characters evolved? And I know with TV shows, they want you to, like, feel, take comfort in knowing that uh, Carrie still makes bad puns and Miranda still yells at people and Charlotte, like, still wants to be young. But there was something that just felt like, Okay, but like organically, shouldn't some things have changed other than your relationship with Samantha? But also, we should talk about that. How did you feel about the absence of Samantha? I think you can feel the absence of Samantha in in this show. Um, And that's another thing for me where it just it feels a little sad. Like, I don't like the way they keep addressing her in the pilot. It was weird. And I think there's a large, there's a huge part of this ensemble cast that's missing. That was, in my opinion, the the, the best part of the cast. So, as a Samantha, I'm Samantha's my favorite. So I think just watching it, as I'm sure lots of people have, you know, a different favorite for each of these characters. But Samantha's mine. So watching it, I'm already biased. Where I'm like, 
you sent her off to London. Like, this is the storyline now. Like, Carrie fired her as a publicist and Samantha, like, no offense to Carrie, I think Samantha had bigger clients. Wasn't she like representing that one guy that was like a huge movie star that wanted to marry her? Like, Samantha's fine. She's not that mad that Carrie, like, I don't like how they made her character seem like petty and sad. That's what frustrated oh, me. Oh, you know what? I kept wondering if they wanted to make it sort of mirror what happened in real life, which is like they had this fight and... But wasn't the fight just between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall? Or was it between all of them? Yes, but but in the in the show, it just it seemed like the fight was just between the two of them too. And it seemed like... I felt like Sarah Jessica Parker was like making... Like kind of making her character take responsibility for it because I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it, but in the way she was like, her feelings were hurt and she was like, I tried to reach out and she didn't respond. Like I actually, I didn't really feel like it made her seem that petty i guess i think the fact that they're insinuating that samantha who's a very very successful publicist in new york city that has all of these big shot clients would be upset that carrie fired her as a public you know what i mean or like carrie didn't well because have it's a personal like, because her best it's her best friend not because she's worried about the business she's losing that's why no, she was like, able to find many many clients in london but samantha's whole personality is like she doesn't that's just not her character. Like, I could never imagine her character being upset about something like that. We made a deal ages ago. Men, babies, doesn't matter. We're soulmates. Fair. I also felt like it. even if... I also felt like even if they were in a fight... I mean, I guess there's no way for them to get around this, but she no. would have showed up for that funeral even if they hadn't spoken. Exactly. I just feel like there was a disservice to her character, the way that it's been written off. Like, Samantha but, deserved better. I feel like they're trying to like leave the door open in case she wants to come back. Like if she changes her mind, I think that, that that's why I think that's part of it too. So that they didn't want it to be like she died or like she moved to Australia somewhere really far. I don't know. She's but just a she was by far away. she was by far the funniest character on that show. So yeah. not having her there, as you said, is like is the loss is really felt i mean also not only is the loss of her felt then big dies then every single time you see willie garson as samford Ugh, you're like yeah oh god like well how is he gonna die and what are they gonna do with him and his storyline is sort of like he's being a pain in the ass well like right the only character that they gave any evolution to apparently was stanford and his evolution is now he's just awful but no one else has changed in the past like 25 years. It's just been Stanford who is now petty and annoying about it. And also in some weird competition with Charlotte for Carrie's attention. Well, in some ways I felt like Carrie devolved because now all of a sudden she's not comfortable talking about masturbation, which I thought was really bizarre. Like you're on this podcast after you've been writing this column about like everything about sex and her whole thing was like Carrie Bradshaw knows good sex and like isn't afraid to ask. And now it's like, oh, like masturbation like i can't answer that question it just seemed off to me and they point that out like she had a sex column but i still was like this is a weird it just doesn't make sense take. yeah it, did, it just didn't make any sense was like the biggest thing for me there was a lot of like character nuances a that i was like bored by and then b that didn't make sense like with carrie i felt like yeah she was in you know, some weird shell where it wasn't really the person that we know who used to write this like raunchy column in the 90s and tap like 2000s. And then in this weird way, Charlotte somehow is still looking for a husband in the perfect family while having a husband in the perfect family. <laughs> it's like she's 
the same exact place where we left her. And Miranda also seems just like unhappy and like sort of neurotic. I just, I, I wish there was a little bit more that we were getting out of it. I mean, I imagine there's going to be some, you know, plot twists that happen. This is a setup, but I would have liked to see their individual characters a little bit different. How about how Steve's back. whole evolution is that now he's deaf? No, yeah, that storyline is like, huh? Like, literally, it's just like, okay, now your role is to not hear when people say things to you. Like, what? Well, his storyline of just being deaf also reminded me of the, in the, in the Gilmore Girl, Girls reboot where, um, like Rory has a boyfriend that she can't remember that she has or something like that. Oh, I yeah. Just, that was and that was his whole storyline was just like, oh, you're here again. Or they always have dinner plans that she never remembers or something. It's just like, why is this person here? What is this character adding? I'm like so confused. I have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you that were on my mind okay. for topic discussion. First of all, when Miranda goes to that bar that's not open and it's called Smith's, do you think that was supposed to be a nod to Smith Jarrett? Oh, no, I don't think okay. so. I it just seemed like they were making a big deal of showing that that bar was I Smith's. know. I was a little bit confused. I was like, <laughs> what? Is it like the Smith in New York City? Like, I don't know what's going on. Why is this like such a big deal? Next question, which is for you as someone who rewatched Sex and the City more recently than I did. Was Miranda always obsessed with um, Chablis? Is that what it's called? Like in the first two episodes, she's like, I don't know. Yeah, they're like I, making a point of showing her like needing Chablis at a time where no one else is drinking. And it's also like, is that, was that like a throwback? And also, is she an alcoholic? Well, I'll answer the second part. I think she might be leaning towards becoming an alcoholic. It's, it's, I think they're saying <laughs> she's it leaning up. it. She's leaning into alcoholism. Miranda is drinking heavily in this reboot, which is, uh, but in terms of the drink that she keeps ordering, no, I don't, I don't, I wasn't paying attention enough to, because aren't they always, always that's such a grandma drink. drink. I think my grandma literally drinks that cosmopolitans and stuff. I don't know martinis that's what they drink all the time no they drink cosmos but i couldn't remember if like miranda then also was drinking chablis i don't know <laughs> yeah. why i can't pronounce that word why can't i, I, why can't I say i'm not that even word? trying <laughs> i'm just like chablis. <laughs> chablis let's take a break and when we come back let's talk about some of these new characters because i know you have feelings about them Okay, well, there is a a few new characters that were introduced to initially in the first few episodes. I think some that are we're not going to see for a while. Um, one of the most prominent characters that we're introduced to is played by Sarah Ramirez from Grey's Anatomy fame. Her character's name is Che Diaz. It's the first non-binary actor and character in the show. Described as popular queer, non-binary podcaster, and stand-up comedian. This character to me, mostly I would describe as annoying. I just, it just feels like too, it's too much. And I don't, and maybe the character is going to settle down and there's going to be more of a story play right now. It's just like too much too soon is how I feel. It's very in your face. I feel like they come in like a wrecking ball. There's just no like subtlety. But again, it's like, I keep thinking about the fact that they added more inclusivity and diversity in the writer's room. So why does this character feel so cliched? But maybe it's just this is the introduction and it will, you know, even out over time. I don't know. Cynthia Nixon's character. Miranda refers to um, Che Diaz as a comedian prophet. And like, 
they're not that funny. Like in the show, there's just like they do like a you sh- you see a little stand up bit, and their stand up is not funny. And I'm just like, are we all supposed to collectively agree that this is person is like funny and this? Wait, character- when did oh did you watch screeners of the third and fourth <laughs> yes, episodes? Yes, yeah. Oh, I, I was like, I don't remember that part, but they do. They do talk about that a lot, and Miranda's son is pointing out how they're like famous. Um, but also, there were clear flirtation vibes between Miranda and Che in the first episode, yeah. and it has also been widely theorized that Miranda might start sleeping with women in this season. Right. Maybe it's because her husband can't hear anything, or maybe it's because since her husband can't <laughs> hear anything, she feels like she can get away with it more easily. Who's to say? But hasn't that always been Miranda's storyline is she's perpetually bored of Steve. She's been bored of Steve since they started dating. Her whole No, and now he can't even hear. So what's he bringing (laughs) to the table? They just watch, they eat ice cream and watch some streaming show every night is like, that's their whole life. But isn't that a lot of people's lives? They listen to their son having sex, but he can't hear the son having sex. And maybe that's what divides them. No, but also, yeah, that's everybody's life, but not everybody hates it as much as Miranda does is the point it's like that's been her whole thing i'm like just leave him like god what do you like you're a lawyer you'll be fine is it because she's worried about him i don't know but i'll be looking forward to whatever comes next for her i just want her to be happy she just seems so unhappy we do that all day long i feel pissed off Ta-da! yeah well it's like as cringy as every single scene of her interacting with her professor or being in the classroom that i've seen so far as cringy as those scenes are i do really like Karen Pittman, who also I really liked on the morning show in the role as her professor, who does seem like normal. a more normal human <laughs> than many of the other people. Well, she just seems to like speak in a manner that normal people speak in and just generally carries herself like an adult, it seems like. Everybody else seems to have like these weird, like over the top exaggerated quirks. And I appreciate that this character is just a smart, intellectual black woman that's just chill. It's like a good refer anytime she's on screen, I'm like, oh, okay. I can relax now. I feel calm. Right. And as cringy and unrealistic as the comments that Miranda makes, especially in terms of being white and racism, I do feel like the way the professor interacts with her, that feels more, her dialogue feels more real from her side. It just seems like Miranda's just like a mess. Did you notice Christopher Jackson, a.k.a. George Washington from Hamilton himself, was in the first episode? He was LTW's husband. That was exciting. I'm always excited to see anybody from the original Hamilton cast pop up anywhere. It's like a fun little nostalgic surprise. One last time. Um, Except for Anthony Ramos right now. Oh, yikes. We won't touch that. Um, he cheated on his fiance. That's we all we say about that. We think. With a stripper, right? I don't know. At we a strip think. club. We don't know. We think. Allegedly. <laughs> Anyways. We heard. Um, according to TikTok. <laughs> and we gonna be president now. And we gonna be president now. We heard according to TikTok. Um... I love seeing Nicole um, Ari Parker, who plays Lisa Todd, LTW, whatever her name is. But yeah, you're not even going to try to say her name. If they're going to refer to her as LTW, then I will too. Yeah, same. She is just so beautiful. I so beautiful. Oh my god, like, her eyes. So, yeah, I, like every time she gets on screen, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, this person is just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm excited for her to be a little bit more. I guess she's gonna, a new character that's going to be like in the main friend group. Because she's a good friend of Charlotte's. Their kid goes to school together. They're a part of some like 
rich people PTO program that's happening. Um, PTO? Or, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it Tell PTA? me you're a parent without telling me. You're telling me you're not. Tell me you're not a parent without telling me you're not a parent. Isn't isn't it also PTO? PTA? Uh, as far as I know, it's only PTA, but you know, times have changed and I still don't have a kid, so maybe it is PTO. I don't know. But I don't PTO to me is paid time off. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> I have PTO coming up. <laughs> maybe that's why I said that. Yeah. Um, you got PTO on the brain. I got PTO on the brain. Um I'm this is a character that I'm actually really looking forward to just adding a little bit more to the main friend group because right now it just feels like they sit around and have the same conversations over and over again. Like just like, I don't know, the first like 10 minutes of them sitting around and Miranda talking about how she found her son's condom. I was just like, Ugh. yeah, well, just- I think they were trying to like recreate the very original vibe. I did also, I really like that they sort of faintly played a version of the original theme music, even if that's not going to continue, because I do feel like it feels weird to watch an episode of anything Sex and the City related and not have that theme song. Um, but yeah, I think they were like, they're still doing their brunch. They're still making the same jokes, like you know, Charlotte still Charlotte Miranda still Miranda. They're all still you know doing the same thing. But yeah, to your point, they need new things to talk about. They have moved on from cafeteria. It seems their new brunch spot was not cafeteria, which was shocking to me. No, and I think we should circle back. I know you mentioned the fashion was fun to see, but I I did really like seeing how their fashion evolved or didn't evolve um as the case may be i feel like carrie's style has gotten better yes i mean maybe it's it's just because when you're looking back at something from the 90s it feels insane but she was still wearing some like crazy things but i it was just like really nice to see all that again it feels really it just feels more pulled together somehow even if there is a lot of like eccentric stuff happening and she's still very much walking around in like high heels referring to them as her sneakers which her lovers, um, her lover. <laughs> although like her, her wedding shoe is getting ruined by the shower that was still running that Mr. Big had collapsed in was a little bit much. That was dark. That it was, was like focus on the beautiful wedding shoes getting ruined. No, you know what else I didn't like? The, they implied at first that he was still alive when she got there. Like it seemed like he was still alive. So I was like, oh, maybe he's not going to die. And they just wanted he's just going to have a heart attack. But no. No, that was even worse because she's like looking at him and he's like, I don't no, know. No, and clearly. she's not calling 911, which I was just screaming, call 911, call 911. I know, I know. The whole thing where she's like holding him and I'm like, holding him, is it going to do anything? Pick up the phone. No. I mean, I guess she was just being shocked, but still. I mean, mostly this is all Charlotte's fault is what we've learned. It's really her daughter, Charlotte's daughter's fault. I, You know what? I'm joking, but I did enjoy... I did enjoy the storylines of Charlotte's kids being older, not little kids. They're not like, you know, having sex all over the house, thankfully. Um, (laughs) But I I did like that part of her storyline of her being a mom and the daughters being old enough to be actual characters with personalities and feelings and dialogue and jokes. And I I liked that addition to it. Well, I also think that... If there is a character that needs to be challenged in their thought process, it's probably Charlotte. So it's really nice to see that her daughters are older and kind of like push back a little bit or like make a comment about something that they know she wouldn't love or like and kind of test what her normal is. And I imagine we're going to continue to see that, obviously. Right. Well, she seems the least involved by far and the least trying to be involved, which I think is intentional. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That aligns with her 
character. But then again, it speaks to the lack of growth. <laughs> You're exactly where we left you 20 years ago. What happened? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, has nothing happened other than, but I think that's the point. It's like her flowers are still like in the entryway and she's, you know, got everything she ever wanted. So now she's just there trying to force her daughters into Oscar de la Renta dresses. <laughs> Uh, but I also think I think there's a lot to explore there from the perspective of rich city parents and, you know, what what goes on behind the scenes there and like rich city kids and like that whole world. So I hope they and, and I do think there's a lot of potential for comedy there. So that would be smart yeah. for them to explore a little bit more. Agree. Well, what would you say your final verdict is? I mean, at first I was like, this is so bad, I can't watch it, but I, or it's just so bad, I will watch all of it, but it's bad. I don't feel like I needed this. I don't feel like I am like, oh, I really wanted to see what they're up to. Because we had two movies that showed what they were up to. It was only progressively getting worse. And while this is better than the movies... I still feel like people have this urge to want to watch reboots because they want to know where these characters ended up. But then you watch it and you're like, oh, they're all going to die because they're just like real people and that's what happens. And I kind of don't need to to know that. I don't really need to see these characters go through every stage of, of their life. life. Yeah. And I don't, th- I don't know if they're trying it to be a comedy, trying to make it a comedy. Like clearly they're, you know doing both and it's heavy and intense but i love sex and city because it was a comedy not because it was a dramedy so i will definitely keep watching it because as you remind me time and time again like i will watch any old filth and this is definitely not the worst thing i've ever seen um correct but i wouldn't be like oh my god you have to watch this it's amazing and filling me up with joy i just was like i would rather watch something fresh it just doesn't feel fresh to me yeah and that was ultimately what was the most disappointing yeah that's fair what about you i agree i mean i agree with a lot of what you said i think for me i don't i'm pretty big on anti-reboots i'm pretty anti-reboots as like i just i don't i don't think anybody really needs a reboot i think a show as iconic as sex in the city and what it gave people and it's like you know heyday and when it was on top is just you're never going to be able to recreate that so don't try when it was on top overall like my i really loved carrie bradshaw's character as a third year old writing this column seeing these experience you know seeing her go through these experiences it was fun and quirky and you know to your point you like sex in the city because it was a comedy same like it was like a show that brought me a lot of joy versus just like darkness and now this just feels like dark to me and I right, actually, like these like, shows, it's like the, these shows were not designed to go on forever. No, no, no. And show I also, is. I think the magic of it is a little bit lost. You know, like when I was watching Sex and the City, I didn't live in New York City. I wasn't. There was this sort of like aspirational feeling when you're watching a show like this of like, wow, look at their lives and this and that. And now it's just, it, it's like all that magic is kind of gone, and that sucks. And replaced with death. Yeah, it's like Peloton is killing everybody now. Welcome to your new life. <laughs> well, on that note, Zuri, it's time for your burning question. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Am I ready? Is a better no. question. Okay. Congratulations. 
don't want to be congratulated no, I'm anymore. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. So we've discussed your feelings on reboots and how you don't believe in them. But I think we both enjoyed seeing the Friends reunion and felt like there was something about that that was really nice to see and didn't sort of tarnish the original uh, storyline of the Friends characters mm-hmm. by avoiding this, like, where they end up, who died on a Peloton, whatever. Um, so if you could select the cast of any show to appear in a reunion special, and they're doing it with Harry Potter too, although that's a movie, what would you choose? What Ooh. cast would you like to see reunited talking about their show? Survivor season 16, fans versus no. favorites? No, no, thank you. <laughs> I think I think Weeds. I really Ooh, love that, that show. That would be a good one. I love that show, and I feel like Justin Kirk is like hilarious and... I just recently saw it. Now he's like in succession, right? We just saw him in succession. Oh, I was like, he's on something else now. What is it? Yeah, we just saw him in succession. But I really love that show. And I don't think they should ever touch it. But I would like to see all those characters back just because, you know, I think obviously the kids and stuff are older. And when they were filming that show, it was like, it's a pretty dark show with like a lot of fucked up shit happening in it. And But it was still really funny in a lot of ways, too. It was it was a really, I really liked that show. So that would be I a good think cast about for me. how the younger son was the voice of Nemo in Finding Nemo, and then, like, in the later seasons was, like, murdering people with a mallet. Yes, correct. <laughs> the, the trajectory was in pretty intense, I have to say. Well, you also his you voice, his voice got deeper. He became murderous. No, well, you start the show, and he's, like, this innocent little, like, cute little baby, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to kill you. It's just a lot. It's just a lot. Um... All right, well, keeping on theme, I guess we were talking about sex in this today, the reboot. Why don't we, TJ, play Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Pepper? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Not Over It is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening. Dive into the fun of the holidays with a time-traveling toilet, a best friend will they or won't they, a heroic meet-cute, holiday parties, and so much more. Tis a season for rom-com, so follow Me Cute on your favorite podcast app to get merry and meet cute.